Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a singer and songwriter. It's David Austin. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about a little bit where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Sure. Um, I grew up in Marin County, California, which is just north of San Francisco, uh, just right across the Golden Gate Bridge. And I did pretty much all the regular stuff that you do when you're a kid. I played a lot of sports, um, got into music when I was in probably sixth grade. I think my mom put me in guitar lessons a couple of years before that, but I actually started doing it the way I wanted to do it <laughs> in sixth grade. Um, and then, yeah, I went to high school in New Hampshire. It was a boarding school um, that my both my parents had gone to a long time ago and then my brother decided to go. So my whole family moved to New Hampshire, basically, um, to stay together. And then um, that was awesome. Played sports there and got a good education and kept doing music. And, and then I went to college for music. And um, yeah, and then here I am in Nashville now. <laughs> When you started music and playing the guitar, was that the instrument you wanted to play or was there something else that you were wanting? And, but that was just the only <laughs> opportunity you had. That's a great question. Is that like a common theme with people? Cause, cause no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't what I, I wanted to play drums, I think originally. And I don't know why, but, um, my mom didn't want to have a drum set in the house. So she <laughs> thought it was going to be too loud. So she just like put us in guitar lessons. And I remember she bought this like super, super beginner nylon string guitar. that's probably worth like $40 uh, when she got it. And my older brother started taking lessons at the same time. And we shared the same guitar. And um, yeah, I don't really remember. I remember the very beginnings of playing like sunshine of your love and like just these smoke on the water of course this is like super basic songs um but i think it, it wasn't really till i was like in sixth or seventh grade that i started like actually enjoying it and like getting into it and playing the stuff that i wanted to play um so yeah but i, I guess it was drums originally that i is what i wanted to do <laughs> For I played in band and some people, everyone was like trumpet, saxophone, percussion. I went yeah. French horn, completely left in everything. Yeah. And every single like class, it's like the only French horn player, but it kind of made well, me there you get go. out in a way, but it was so much fun. What was the best part about playing music at a young age for you? Ooh. I don't know. I guess it was just like a different thing. Cause like you, I guess with sports, you kind of start probably earlier, you know, probably I probably started playing T-ball. <laughs> so that was like from the get go. And uh, I don't know, maybe just a new way to, to, uh, to experience uh, life, I guess. I don't know. I'd always like sung since I was a kid, just around the house. And, um, so I kind of had it in me a little bit and, um, yeah, it's just like a new skill. I think everything when you're young is, is potentially has the potential to be really cool because you haven't done it before. 
<laughs> so it's like the whole the whole world everything's new so everything can be interesting i guess well especially at that time it's perfectly okay to try everything it's not like you have to be set in stone in one thing and oh that's going to be your path for the rest of your life you're able to try different things find what you're good at find right. those skills and then be able to develop them over time yeah at least in in my situation i'm sure there are situations where you know it's like the super uh crazy sports parents like have their kids play one sport like all the way through their whole life and they're like you're going pro in this sport like you're never doing anything else it's like ah but i think yeah did you ever have a hard time being with sports or music or were you able to do both and still enjoy everything yeah i i could up through until i got to college i definitely could do both and enjoy it um Cause it's kind of ex- expected and, and kind of like, it's a cool thing. And, and people, you know, my parents like made it, made, made, made it possible to do that, to do both things. And, um, you know, it's like, I was always busy, I guess, but it didn't feel, um, like too much. And then I think when I got to college, it, it became apparent that I had to actually focus on fewer things and kind of dive deeper into into music um but yeah no when I was growing up it was like just do it all you know which is which is great (laughs) you mentioned that your family moved from California to New Hampshire was it hard adjusting to a different lifestyle especially going to a boarding school instead of going to the traditional schooling route yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, New Hampshire is culturally is way different than San Francisco uh, or Marin, I should say. Um, you know, it's just East Coast, West Coast. And ninth grade is a pretty formative time and high school is pretty, pretty formative. So I missed California a lot um, and I miss my friends a lot, but it uh it worked out in the end and I, I don't regret you know doing that and deciding to go out there but it was hard for sure it's hard going to high school in general I feel like <laughs> that's true that, like yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> what's so. the biggest thing you learned about yourself during that time in high school man biggest thing I learned about myself <laughs> I know we asked the tough questions here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good. I, uh, maybe that I could do some different things. And like, I, I, I had a lot of interests in different stuff and just the nature of the school that I went to allowed you to really dive into all that different stuff. So I think maybe I, I don't, honestly, I don't know. It was a good like education people too. Cause I like, I would, you know, I'd be on the sports teams and playing football and lacrosse. And then I would go do acapella. Like I was in this acapella group and uh, there was only one or two other kids that played football and did that or, and so it was kind of an education in people like, wow, I can kind of 
hang with these different types of people and they're all great in their own ways, you know, but I think I just learned about other people the most. When you were making that decision towards college, what was that dream job that you were wanting? Was it always going to be in music or was there always something else in the back of your mind? No, it was, it was music. I think, well, when I was like applying at colleges, I kind of was also thinking about playing sports and, um, I, so I had been looking at like some division three colleges, um, to try to play football there. And, um, that was kind of on the table and, but I knew that I wanted to do music kind of long-term and, um, I, it was kind of a weird way that I ended up going to school for music because um, I didn't even get into the program that I had applied for, but I got into the the school. Like my, <laughs> you, you have to put like a secondary major or whatever that you're applying to. And so I got into that, but I didn't get into the, the actual music program. And then once that happened, I emailed the, the director of the music program and said, Hey, I got into the regular school. Is there any way that I can like, take some of the classes in the music program. And he was like, Oh yeah, that rarely happens. <laughs> I guess people that apply for music didn't get in also get into the other school. So he was like, we can just actually just transfer you right in to this program off the, off the top. Like we can just circumvent, you know, once you're in the school, we don't have to deal with our, you know, admission numbers or whatever. Cause I guess they had like, wanted me or or thought I was good but I guess I I wasn't good enough or I didn't get picked from 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 you know it was a small program so it was like it made sense like it's it's not it wasn't easy to get into so I knew that um but yeah that's a long way of saying yeah I think I knew that I wanted to to do it around that time I started figuring that out when you didn't get in it at first were you worried like oh, maybe music isn't my path. But as you're telling that story, you always knew that you were going to do anything to get to where you wanted. And that Mm -hmm. was in music. Yeah, I didn't really, it didn't really deter me. I don't think it may have planted a little seed in my head that of both like a little bit of self doubt and then going into that program being like, am I the only person here that like didn't actually get into this, <laughs> but it's still here, like doing all the same stuff. And it's like stressful because you're performing all the time and you're playing with other kids all the time. And everybody's super good, like just phenomenal singers and phenomenal musicians. And um, so, yeah, like I had some self doubts for sure, but I don't think it, I don't think it, no, I don't think it made me question. I mean, I knew that it was so hard to get into in the first place. I didn't think I was going to get in and I didn't think, because I also had kind of done it as a hobby up until that point. I wasn't trained in music really at all. I mean, I had taken lessons in guitar and stuff, but I didn't know how to read music. I'd never taken voice lessons. And I kind of thought maybe that was uh, a a setback or like a, a negative on whatever application. I remember in my audition, I played and then um, one of the guys auditioning me asked, uh, you know, what are the notes in a G sharp major triad? 
And I, <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Like I, and he was okay, cool. So I think that was where I was like, Oh God, was I supposed to like know that stuff? Um, so, but no, it, it never, never crossed my mind to not go and do it anyways. If someone asked me that question, I'd probably just say G sharp. Just, just well, that's, that's the first one. I probably <laughs> did say that. I probably said, I probably thought about it. And then it was like, eh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, why are you giving me a trivia questions or an exam question on just an application to get into college? Like, that's, yeah, it's, that's just, it's almost like the placement test almost. It's kind of like they, they just want to see, do you have, because if you do know what the notes are in a G sharp major triad and you're 18, then you're like educated in music and like, you know about that stuff and you think about it. But if you don't, you're kind of just like what I was, which is like kind of a hobbyist. And, but they still take a lot of those people. Like a lot of the other people yeah. that got in probably did not even know that. You know what I mean? I think it was just like a small like small little test <laughs> so as you were taking those classes during your college run were you becoming a better musician singer things like that the things that you weren't comfortable or didn't know at first yeah absolutely um to all to all of those you know better singer player all-around musician um the program was just like super intensive and covered all the bases. Um, so I was taking guitar lessons and, and playing in like a, an ensemble and doing ear training and musical theory and music history. And then I didn't take vocal lessons until my senior year. But when I did, that was pretty significant it changed the way that I thought about singing and it opened up a lot of notes in my range and it opened up a lot of things that I could do that I couldn't do before um without putting strain on my voice basically um so yeah definitely I I got way better I think were you able to be a part of like acapella groups during the college or be able to showcase your skills at, I guess, local areas around town? I guess mm-hmm. I'm trying to think like not karaoke nights, but like, um, yeah, like open, open mic. mic nights. Well, I, I joined an acapella group for a year when I was a junior and it was musically like one of the craziest things I've done just because the group is is kind of really well known actually in collegiate acapella they they win the ICCA championship pretty much every year they do it which is every other year um because they 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 put a lot of work into it so they take a year off after they do it (laughs) and uh so it was very intense and um that was awesome. I only did it for a year. I kind of decided it was a little too much and I wanted to start getting going on doing my own stuff. Um, but yeah, there were plenty of opportunities and, um, I would play as much as I, as much as I could. There's a lot of playing like within school though. So I think I also, by the time at the end of the day, when I was done with all the classes and all the playing for that, 
I think I was a little bit tired <laughs> a good amount of time and just didn't even just would, you know, put the guitar away and just go do something else. Was that feeling ever like burnt out kind of feeling or just, I need to take a break. Let me get back to this tomorrow. Yeah, I definitely got burnt out. Um, It was a lot. And I always knew that I wanted to be an artist and write things that were unique to me basically and say things that I felt like only I could say and just try to provide a unique perspective um, which is what I love from like my favorite artists that they do. And it, it got to a point that we were doing so much work of learning other people's songs and learning music theory and practice and, and all this stuff that makes you so much better as a musician. But in the moment, I kind of lost sight of like the, the final goal. And I, I did get burnt out and I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is what I want to be doing. I left the program for uh, a semester actually. And then I transferred back in because I didn't find anything else that I, <laughs> was, it made more sense. Um, and I also, you know, the teachers in the program were really, really good. And um, there's just so much knowledge there. I think I was just maybe a little bit overwhelmed with how much music it was all the time. Making that transition into after college, what would you say are your musical influences or inspirations, like the artists, the music genres that inspired you to create the songs or the musical style that you have? Mm -hmm. Specifically for like what I write, I would say John Mayer and the Avid Brothers and uh, Bruce Springsteen, who I started listening to in college. Um, but yeah, like early on when I started writing in high school, John Mayer was probably the biggest influence. And there's a lot of Ed Sheeran too. Uh, I loved his early stuff a lot. Um, yeah, there's a few of them. What's something that John Mayer did that you liked so much? Because definitely during that time where he was a bit popular, he was coming mm-hmm. out with hits it seemed like all the time that people just mm-hmm. enjoyed and could kind of connect with yeah well I think I got into his stuff because I was I liked the challenge of trying to play intricate things on the guitar and sing at the same time it was kind of like a body coordination kind of like playing drums almost because there's so much stuff going on and I I like to sing and I also like to play guitar and I like being able to like accompany myself doing it and not have to rely on somebody else to play for me. And he just has all these crazy songs that are super, super complex on the guitar and also really great vocally and, and lyric wise. So, you know, he's got, you know, Neon is one of the songs. It's just crazy. In Your Atmosphere is another song that I heard when I was a sophomore. And I was like, this is beautiful. And <laughs> so, yeah, kind of that challenge of like, can I do this? Can I play this and sing it at the same time and have it come across well and meaningful, basically? When you first were starting to write songs, be in that industry, were you ever worried about like the financial aspect or did you have the support of family that 
they knew what you wanted to do and knew it could take some time before it Mm -hmm. starts getting to where you're wanting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, that accurately um, covers it. I, I did like in college. Yeah. I kind of, I had some crisis moments where I was like, is this the right thing? And a bunch of friends that I had were going into, you know, more business type jobs and like finance and stuff where you make, a lot of money right off the bat, you know, but you're working crazy hours and yeah. It, and even now it, it, it is something that's a little bit stressful, but um, I get by and yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a startup in, in a sense, you know, most startups lose money for the first many years that they're doing it. Um, I think Amazon lost money for the first like at least 10 years that they were doing it and they just rolled it over to the next year. <laughs> That's why they never paid taxes early on. Um, so it's kind of like that. It's like you have to spend some money to make some money and you have to develop what it is you're trying to do. And especially with music, it's like, it's, it's hard to create income streams with music when streaming rates are so low and you're not really selling physical things anymore you can sell vinyls you know to the the hipsters that want to buy them (laughs) the people who still like vinyls like i don't even really listen to vinyl you know what i mean it's too it's too (laughs) but i i i appreciate it you know it's cool when somebody does and when they when you're in their place and they put it on it's like oh that that is a vibe you know but i'm just like i don't have time to like buy vinyl records and put them on and i just have my iphone and that's that's good enough but uh yeah it's tough to make money, but you know, I think once you build a fan base, hopefully you can find ways to, to monetize. And that's something I'm like trying to get into more now. Well, it's like our generation when we were younger, CDs were the thing and you could go into any store and they would have like racks of CDs. And now you just see it getting smaller and smaller and smaller and digital is the way to go. And I remember buying on iTunes, but now you can do it illegally or MP3 converter kind of style, but in Spotify and all those kind of platforms are becoming huge. And I think when you said vinyls, my grandparents still use vinyls. I mean, I don't know if they buy them, but they'll go into the house or I'll go into their house and they still play it. So Mm -hmm. I think it just shows the kind of the trends are changing and think it challenges you in a creative way to how can you make that income with what's going on with the world, I guess. Well, the interesting thing is that like, I think in the last 10 years, the music industry as a whole has actually grown a lot. Like it's like by billions of dollars, I think. And I think it's just because the live business has really taken off. There's all these festivals everywhere. Um, and now music is available to so many people that there's more people getting into it. Um, but yeah, you kind of have to shift. It's, a, it's almost like the music is not really the, the, uh, the product anymore. It's kind of the marketing tool. The music mm-hmm. is like the advertisement. And then your merch is the product or a, t- or a ticket to a concert is a product or a fan club subscription is a product. The music itself is 
like advertising, yep. <laughs> which is crazy. Cause that's what you put. That's the, I mean, that is the product it is kind of what you're selling people on, but they're not really buying that, you know, they're buying something else because they liked that. <laughs> Very odd. And uh, it's a weird thing to think about. Like you have like paintings that are worth, millions of dollars and it's like who put the value on that who decided that that was you know what i mean like how much would the mona lisa sell for right now probably lots but it's just probably because it's it's so iconic and everyone yeah. it's so talked about right but even like even like small like small scale artists who create a really nice painting like they can sell that for five hundred dollars you know and then up and up and up um you got to find somebody that wants to buy it which is hard but like you to make $500 streaming wise, you have to get tens of thousands of streams on a song, Yep. you know, which means that tens of thousands of people are listening to it. Whereas this painting, one person bought it. So it's like, and you made 500 bucks from that. <laughs> so it's just kind of a crazy, like, what is this worth? And then do I want to charge my own price from it on Bandcamp or something or withhold it from everybody? And only sell it to people that really want it, but then you're not reaching a big level of people where they're going to actually propel your career to the next level. It's like, I don't know. It's uh, it's weird, but I guess every business is like that in some sort. Nowadays, everything's so complicated and everything's online. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you're writing songs, are you using your personal like moments in your songs or things that you've experienced or how are you writing and coming up with the vision of each of the songs that you are creating? Mm-hmm. It's totally random every time, honestly. <laughs> there, it's mostly personal uh, experiences that I draw on, but it's kind of random how it happens. Like a lot of time I'll just sit down at my, at the guitar and play around a little bit and come up with a cool progression. And I'll be like, Oh, that's kind of like this type of vibe. And then I kind of have some lyrical ideas for it and try to put it to that. But it really, yeah, I would say it's mostly stuff from my life or stuff that is an embellishment of my life. (laughs) I think it's very interesting. Like, because I've had other guests in the music industry talk about their personal stories that are in their songs, but it sounds like you kind of get that creative vibe going and like something gets inspired for you and that's how you create it and mold Mm -hmm. it around that, which it's, it's amazing hearing artists talk about their Mm -hmm. behind the scenes because we only know it based on what we're hearing, but I love stories behind the scenes on how it's created, especially with music videos. Do you like doing music videos in a way that you're able to perform the songs differently, more video form? Yeah, I've done a bunch of live videos with a band or just myself. I've never really done a music video, like in the in the traditional sense of the word. And I kind of feel like now, um, you know, with TikTok and with people's attention spans being so short, I kind of feel like the amount of time it would take and the amount of time and energy and money to put into making an actual music video might not be worth what you're going to get eyeballs wise mm-hmm. on it just because three and a half minutes four minutes of the song it's a very small percentage of people that, that are going to watch that all the way through now 
you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe not. But now it's all 15 second TikTok clips. <laughs> so for me, it's like, I don't know if I want to invest, you know, that much in a music video. Although I, I, I want to eventually, you know, I have some cool ideas for that. Um, yeah. You mentioned TikTok. Has social media been your way of getting your stuff out there to hopefully people like retweet, share it, yeah. show other people that can gain more traction to your songs? Mm-hmm. Honestly, sort of, but not so much right now. I think I am starting off in LA, like I was playing all the time. I was playing shows all the time. And that was kind of how I met people and people got people interested. And like, I would post, you know, on social media and when I had a new song out and new video and that stuff and try to keep people engaged. But um, it hasn't really been a viral thing by now. Um, I think it's, it's going to be more of a slow burn type thing, a slow build. And uh, although I wouldn't mind going viral, that would be cool. (laughs) But it's also like, you know, is that sustainable? Like I, I've been posting videos on TikTok and I had one the other day that got 150,000 views on it. And I got it like a thousand, I think a thousand, I only had like 200 followers before. And then I have like 1200 now, but this at the same time, you know, TikTok, TikTok's not even going to show pe- those people your videos unless it, unless the videos have the same sort of like catch or, spark to it so it's like if you get if you get a lot i mean i don't know it's it's i I have no idea to to, to know (laughs) if if the people that saw that video and then followed me are actually like into my music or it's just like uh, whatever he looks like he posts cool content like let's just throw him a follow it's hard it's hard to know See, um, I don't I don't use TikTok, so I don't even know how that all works. But it's almost like Instagram. Instagram has that like real section or something where oh, it's yeah. like they think they know what you're looking at, and then you're looking yeah. at it and you're like, How is this anything yeah. that I want to look at? Like, I think one day I had all these like workout like videos, and I'm like, I'm not even looking up workout videos on Instagram, but okay, I guess, but I think it's one of those, I think it's like we say like, oh, social media is listening to us because we get an ad out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we just talked about it with someone that's in the same room as us. So Mm -hmm. I feel like they probably have this weird algorithm, but no one's going to be able to know how it happens. Yeah. And I think for TikTok, it's almost just like, I feel like more of the energy that is pushing the videos is not even necessarily is it up your alley but just is it viral is it Mm -hmm. is it interesting will it hook somebody um it's kind of like it's like america's funniest home videos it's like (laughs) that it's like that type of thing like you're guaranteed to like enjoy what you're watching some way but it's a lot of times very shallow and you don't get anything really deep from it it's just kind of entertainment basically yep um so that's kind of how i view it but it is an interesting tool because like that's that one video got way more plays than any other piece of content i've ever put out so it's like i probably should (laughs) spend more time doing this 
and try to use this as a tool, you know, but it's just a tool at the end of the day. Recently on October 7th, you came out with a single Alone for Now. Talk about the story behind that song and how have you heard reactions from people listening to it? Yeah, well, so I wrote that song pretty much a week after I moved here uh, to Nashville. And I just kind of wrote it about um, having to be on the road a lot and kind of needing to figure my life out. Um, and it's funny cause I have a girlfriend. She's actually in the kitchen right now. <laughs> so she's listening to this whole thing. <laughs> um, but <laughs> she, uh, so people are like, uh, well, how does she feel about the song? I'm like, well, it's, it's not dishonest. Like I still, I still travel a lot for, for music and have to be by myself a lot of the time to play gigs in different areas and to, to be out there doing the thing. Um, but the response has been pretty good. I think it's, it's definitely more of like a slow burn song. Like it's not, which is the way I feel about a lot of like music that I put out. It's not like super in your face and like hit you over the head and just knock you out. Oh my God, this is the craziest thing ever, but it's kind of more, the more that you listen to it and the more that you kind of think about it, hopefully you kind of vibe with it more and more. But the response has been good. Um, you know, people have been texting me and messaging me saying, hey, like the song. So uh, it's cool. I also know that I have like a ton of music that I'm going to be putting out this year. So I don't really, I try not to get too uh, attached to any one specific thing because I know that it's just, it's just a piece of like the whole the whole project, the whole catalog that's coming out, you know? So it's been good though. It feels really good having music out. It's been like two and a half years since I put out the last project. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say the genre of your music? Is it like rock? Cause I think I was, I listened to a few mm-hmm. and I kind of got a mixture of like pop, but then rock, but then it seemed like country yeah. and I'm like, I like this mix because it's not something like I only use this example because it's everyone knows Taylor Swift goes from country, but then she's a pop star. And then I think kind of branches her into two different genres. How would mm-hmm. you categorize yourself as a singer? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. If I, I, I don't know. I, I like so many different types of music and I would say right now, Americana singer songwriter, maybe almost like blue eyed soul is like somewhere that I would go with it, but it's not really country country to me. Um, but it definitely has kind of Southern roots to it. Um, and well, maybe it is country. Maybe it's just not what the, the, country label is right now but um it's definitely natural sounding you know there's no real production tricks or anything it's all real instruments it's all uh trying to be natural and real um so yeah i don't know americana i guess it's kind of it's kind of where they put everybody that doesn't fit in the mainstream (laughs) country they just say oh he's americana she's americana I'm so interested in this blue. Did you say blue eyed or blue wide soul? 
Blue, blue eyed soul, blue eyed soul. I'm like, are you it's like white. That? It's like white people. It's like white oh. people soul. <laughs> I'm like, like, hold on. What kind of genre is that? Am I missing something out here now? No, nah, it's, I mean, it's not, I've just heard that along the way. Blue eyed soul. It's kind of like, I mean, Chris Stapleton, he's kind of countryish, but he's got like a super raspy thing to his voice, but like, um, uh, I mean, Mayor Hawthorne, I don't know if you know him. Uh, Amos Lee is, is, has a super soulful voice. I don't know if he'd really be blue eyed soul. Cause it's kind of like a, kind of like a dancey thing to it, like a Motowny vibe to it. And I've got a couple songs that have that kind of groove. Um, I have no idea. Some, some of the, <laughs> some of the new stuff is like, it's like acoustic funk almost like it's, it's like Jack Johnson meets Jason Raz meets John Mayer, <sighs> but Good I don't know. Good it's all over right there. Yeah. It's all over the place. I, I don't really, I try, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. try to write the coolest stuff and I don't want to think too much about, you know, putting a label on it. Do you have a dream performance? Is there a stage, a venue, a concert, someone that you're singing with on stage mm-hmm. that is your ultimate goal in your career? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I have a particular stage, but like I would love to do a stadium show and just have like <laughs> thousands of people yeah. in the crowd singing. That would be pretty sweet to be able to do those. But I mean, he's getting old, but Bruce Springsteen, if I could be on stage with him, that would be pretty sweet. Uh, I mean, he's like 70 years old right now. He's still doing it, but, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if he's doing it at the scale that he was doing it like four years ago. Um, I mean, John Mayer would be, that'd be sick. <laughs> I was playing with him. Was, yeah, that was going to be my guess. It, based on your story so far, John Mayer has to be that number one for you. Yeah, he's definitely one or two, him and Springsteen. Yeah, I haven't thought about that as much. Like who, you know, who would I, who would be my favorite person to play with? Theo, actually, Theo Katzman is, is a singer songwriter that I've been listening a lot to the past couple of years. Um, he's not as well known, obviously, as those two guys, but super solid songwriter singer guitar player everything plays drums too just phenomenal musician i would love to play with him looking back at your journey is there anything you would have done differently to get to where you want to be or do you feel the journey you've been on has taught so much about yourself that it's been worth the experience going through each stage Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, I wish COVID never happened, <laughs> but that's not in my control. So yeah, I mean, I think I don't really regret too much. Um, yeah, I think it's all, I think everything is just like a lesson and something you can use to learn and, and move forward and grow from. And um, in terms of career wise, I feel like I'm still young and there's still a lot of years that I can do what I want to do. I haven't really missed anything. I mean, COVID was brutal because it was like a year that all the venues were shut down. And so that was, <laughs> that was pretty tough. But other than that, no, I think, yeah, it's all good. I'm, 
I'm happy. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish personally and professionally? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I think it's been all sort of professional in my mind, you know, with making this new project, but I would love to have an audience that appreciates the music. Um, you know, hopefully within the next few years um, and be able to, to tour and play, you know, good venues. Like I would love to be able to play, even if it's like 400, 500 capacity venues throughout the United States. You know, if I can do that in a few years and, and hit those venues in like 15, 20 cities, that would be, that would be great. And then I think it could grow from there, but I would be, I would be thrilled to be able to do that, you know, on a nightly basis. <laughs> that that would be sweet. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get done with this interview and be like, oh, I should have said that. But yeah. that's the one thing that you're at the stage in your career where you got a lot to look forward to so that Mm -hmm. you're excited, you're passionate about what you're doing. So the future is bright for you. Yeah. And I think just enjoying it, like, yep. It's hard to, it's always hard to be in the moment, but it's, it's hard not to look at other people and want what they have or want to be playing the gigs that they're playing or whatever it is. And you just kind of have to enjoy what you're doing right now. Cause if you, if you're in that mindset, you're never going to, even when you are playing those gigs, you're going to be looking at some other gig, some other show, some other stage, you know, that somebody is, is playing and you're going to be jealous of them. And that doesn't change. Like as you get older, you know what I mean? It might even get worse as the hot, the better you get and the more recognition you get. I think it's harder to deal with. Um, so yeah, just enjoying it, you know. I'm glad you said that because I, even in my shoes with the shows, other yeah. shows, like I get messages like, oh, you want to have these high-end people or make millions of dollars. And it's like, I love the story I'm sharing and the guests that I have because it makes me unique. And I want right. to enjoy each stage and enjoy it. The passion, enjoying, having fun. And you can't compare yourself to other yeah. people because we're all telling our story that we want to be on right now. So For sure. It's like, it's kind of, I feel that way with writing, like, and, and doing music, like you're not really in competition with anybody, but yourself mm-hmm. just to get to the kernel of who you are and the way that you can do what you do best. Cause nobody else can do that. Yep. You know what I mean? Nobody else can do you the way that you can do you. And so you're not really competing with, anybody else I mean, maybe you are in certain in certain senses but like yeah it's like if i can just get myself like it's also a discipline thing you know if i can just get myself to do what i need to do i'll be good yeah <laughs> but discipline is hard <laughs> <laughs> the final question i'll ask you based on your journey and experience for someone that's listening to this interview what mm-hmm. tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge Hmm. I think being conscious of everything is very important. And I used to meditate a lot 
coming out of college, um, which is cause I needed to with, with everything going on, but that helped me a lot in being able to like see the situation in the way that it really is and not just the, through the, the distorted lens that we inevitably put on everything. Um, so yeah, just like be conscious of, of whatever situation it is and, and like know that it might seem like everything at that moment, but you know, a week from now it'll be, you'll be past it. And, you know, 10 years down the road, it won't even be a thing. So I don't know. (laughs) How's that? No, that's good. Well, David, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate it. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.